welcome to Magical Mystical Journeys. I'm Amy Renee, and I'm here with our other two lovely podcast co-hosts. Andrea, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, this is Andrea St. Amand. I'm your resident evidential psychic medium. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Valentine. I'm your Christian minister and metaphysical teacher. And today we have a special guest, James Mayfield Smith, who is a somatic healing coach and breakthrough facilitator. He's the founder of BreakthroughCircle.com and the creator of somatic, somatic Breakthrough Facilitation. James, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work you're, you do? What is a somatic breakthrough facilitator? Oh, I'd love to, Amy. Thank you so much for having me on, uh, all three of you. Uh, so I'm a somatic breakthrough facilitator, which means I use body-based, somatic means body-based tools in order to uh, go within and and basically help people get in touch with their inner wisdom. And we use that inner wisdom to tap into different inner parts that we have, like our inner child and our critical voice and our empowered higher self and different aspects of us that come into play as a human. And somatic tools are fantastic for that. And I've found just lots of success in this work that I do. I'm really, really glad to be here. Um, the, the somatic work that I do is all pretty much focused on emotional healing. So I help people actually go in and find the blocks that are in the way of joy and love and connection and power. And we use somatic tools in order to get there. So this is following our episode, a companion piece to our episode that we did on the inner child. So tell us, James, how did you get started with inner child work? You know, what, in, what inspired all of this for you? Well, uh, what inspired was that I needed it. Um, I had my, my work actually started when I was probably two years old, I would say, which is when my mother married a, a, a very abusive stepfather. And so uh, he was abusive to me and to my mother. And and then she had a, a lot of trauma from that and from the things before that. And I grew up uh, not really very close to my mom in a lot of ways. And that ended up haunting my relationships when I was later, later when I got older. And even though I had done lots of work in my 20s, I hit my 30s and I sabotaged a marriage, uh, did not show up in a way that I'm proud of. And I was left in the ashes of that marriage wondering what is wrong with me? Why can I not show up in a relationship in a way that I feel good about? And so I hired coaches and I hired therapists and I did some really deep work and honestly spent a lot of money and did and found out that, oh, there's a part of me that felt really unloved. And that part that felt really unloved and rejected and abandoned and had issues from being bullied and all of those things were still inside of me and were coming out over and over and over in my relationships through conflict and through sabotage. And so I did some really deep work and it changed me at depth, absolutely changed my life. And uh, I, I was at that time, I was a teacher. I had actually learned a lot from being a teacher because I got to see students and how they responded to not feeling safe, which was inside of me, how they responded to not feeling connected, which I also shared and grew up with and not feeling powerful because I grew up uh, being bullied. And so I, uh, I saw that and I saw what was going on. I recognized that in me, but in my 20s, I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know how to make it any different. And after my uh, my deep, deep grief from losing that marriage and losing the woman that I loved, I was willing to do the work. And I did the work 
everything changed. And I was so hooked on this work that I started facilitating in my men's group, first of all. And then five years into that, I started taking side clients. And then 10 years into that, I switched from uh, the work that I was doing with school districts as a consultant and, and, and training teachers into doing this work full time. And I have not looked back. My business mm -hmm. has just grown exponentially since then. And I'm really grateful to be doing this work in the world. It, I find it really interesting that you were doing work on behalf of children, like literal children uh, in school districts. And now you're doing work with the children that lives within everyone. Well, yeah, I find that as well uh, interesting as well, because I know when people grow up what they're going to have problems with. And I know when kids are children, what they have issues with. And I see a direct correlation between the two. And I think a lot of people don't have that long vision, that long scope of working with, in, in college, I worked with preschool kids. And then I were, I was a first grade teacher. I've taught hundreds of children to read. And I had a reading center and I worked one-on-one -on -one with kids over long periods of time who were really struggling. And I got to see what happens when stress happens. Most people don't know that learning to read for, for most people is the hardest thing they ever do. Our brain is not designed to read. Our brain is designed to see things on the horizon, prey on the, or predators on the horizon. And our brain is repurposing those optical skills onto a page. And for a big portion of the population, that is a very difficult long-term thing to learn and is the hardest thing a lot of people ever learn. We just forget how hard it was. As a teacher, I got to see how hard it was, and I got to see what children do under that kind of stress and what they do under stress from the environment, from others' peers, from not being connected, from feeling rejected, the stress from not feeling safe because they're being bullied in the classroom or people are are, are bothering them in some way, and from not feeling powerful, like not knowing how to handle you know a, a math problem or not knowing how to read a word and I got to see what happens in children and when I started working with adults many years later I saw it was the exact same issues that were causing the most struggle which was safety connection and power issues and and if you can get to the root of those and work with those everybody's life changes so I feel really fortunate to have had that background with children and now be able to work with adults helping them to then get back in touch with their inner child. James, thank you so much for that really personal share that you started with, because I think so many of our listeners are going to really connect with what you just shared. And then particularly your observation with, with actual children. So what do we need to know about our inner child now that we're all grown up and we think we've got life figured out? We've forgotten how hard it was to learn how to read. We're doing other struggles. How, what do we need to, how do we even start with our inner child or what do we need to know about our inner child? What, what are the core aspects of our inner child? Well, I think the first piece is, is just acknowledging that we have different inner parts within us. We have multiple, if to, for any better word, multiple aspects of our personality show up in different situations. And you know that because when you're with your lover, you're one way. And when you're with at work, hopefully you're a different way. And, and when you're mothering your children or fathering your children, you're a different way and a different aspect of your personality comes out. So our inner child is an aspect of our personality that is connected to playfulness and joy and innocence. And the, the thing I guess to remember about the inner child is that if that part of us is not cared for well, 
just like a child who's in foster care who is not getting cared for well, it, in, it has a cost. And if we are not connected to our joy, if we're not feeling joyful, the inner child work is a really good place to explore. If we're not feeling safe, inner child work is a really good place to, to explore because generally most of us, we grow up with unmet needs. Even if you have a fantastic family, no family and no parent is able to show up for another person for all of their needs because they're not inside of us and able to find it and, and able to tell what's going on. Mm -hmm. So by its very nature, life gives us unmet needs. And those unmet needs, what we usually do with them is we create a coping mechanism to deal with it. And those coping mechanisms, as we grow up, they, they serve as great as children. But as we grow up, it's the coping mechanisms generally and the, un, the still unmet need, partially, at least partially unmet need, that cause us the problems. And so, for example, uh, I'll, I'll just use attachment. The attachment dynamic as an example. About six to nine months old, we learn very quickly what our parents want of us. They're very clear with it. And we, and we learn, I can either agree and do what they say and give up a little bit of my power and my sovereignty as a very young being and 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 please them or we can say no and not do what they want and deal with the consequences of that and as we grow up oftentimes we don't even realize that that's a coping mechanism for an unmet need mm. it's we're either people pleasing to feel safe and connected and giving up our power or we are holding on to our power and we're giving up connection. We're pulling out of connection. And that sets us up for either anxious attachment and codependence on one side or avoidant attachment and isolation and pulling out and pu pulling out of relationship under stress so that when a relationship gets stressful, we pull away and we pull out and we say no. And that sets up the relationship dynamics that so many people struggle with when they become older and and find out they're either anxious and trying to get more from their boyfriend or girlfriend or they're avoidant and and they just can't their boyfriend or girlfriend is nagging them or just wanting something from them that they just don't understand why they want so much and it all goes back to 6 to 9 months old with our parents and how we responded to that and that's just one dynamic in childhood, there are many other dynamics where the conditioning of our families and the conditioning of the environments that we're in create coping mechanisms that we later think are us. We think that's who we are, and they're just coping mechanisms. And inner child work helps to free us up from those outdated, very young coping mechanisms so that we can then be free to interact in a way that's an adult. The, uh, James, this is all so helpful. Thank you so much. And one of the things that I've heard you say, a word I've heard you say is parts. And I know parts work, integrated family therapy is something that's kind of a hot topic right now. Is the work you do informed by that or does it resemble that for anyone that's done that kind of other kinds of parts work? Mm -hmm. So there, there's lots of kinds of parts work out there. Internal family systems is one. Voice dialogue is another. I actually come through the voice dialogue camp. Uh, and internal family systems is a beautiful model. It works. It works amazingly well. I absolutely love it. And the, the it's a little bit different than what I do. Uh, it 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 tends to be focused on what well. well I guess my work tends to be focused on using parts work to discover what's going on inside of us and to get 
either messages from the inner the hurt inner child or the critical voice that are valid and really important and then to use those in a really effective way to to decide how we're going to move forward in our life how we're going to treat ourselves how we're going to hold boundaries how we're going to take action in the world and i found that 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 plus being able to soothe ourselves and get some of the needs that we've been outsourcing and trying to get from others we can use parts work to then find out what those needs are and then start to meet those needs ourselves. A lot of people don't realize that that we can encourage ourselves, that we can tap into the part of us that needs encouragement. And if you somatically breathe and feel and feel the part that is wanting that, and then you, you feel that and you're connected with that part. And if you can hold on to that part and also presence another part, more of a parental part or a coach part and let that part encourage us it not only does it count it's actually far more effective than if someone else encourages because if someone else encourages us it's like someone giving us a fish if we're encouraging ourselves it's like knowing how to fish ourselves we know in any given time when we feel a feeling in our body how to then take care of it Awesome. Thank you. And thanks for, I got the IFS part, but I got the word wrong. So thank you, internal family systems. And then the work you do comes from, did you say voice dialogue? Yeah, so voice dialogue. Voice uh, dialogue. And, and that, so my work, so I'll, I'll explain how my work's just different than, than IFS. Um, my work, I actually put people into a mild altered state. Um, I found from, um, from uh, some of your listeners may have done some type of plant medicine work, that plant medicine work is really big right now. Um, and uh, basically plant medicines that can alter your state, op open your heart and help you feel better. So there's a lot of, uh, of, um, of news coverage uh, on that kind of stuff. And what I've found is the same thing that other uh, healing professionals have found that plant medicine isn't the only way to get in an altered state. For thousands of years, people have been using breathwork tools and dancing and movement in order to get into an altered state. And I find that that that's actually more effective than plant medicines. Plant medicines are great to activate you or to help you see what's possible. But in general, people can't fully get there through something they take outside of themselves. And what a, what a, a breathwork journey does is it's, it's a halfway state between that deep um, plant medicine state and waking reality. So if you're, if you are using any kind of plant medicines and you're not doing stepped down altered state work, then it's really hard to take the the big amazing visions you get and pull it into reality. But if you have have slightly altered states and you do work there, it's much easier to pull it in and then and then utilize it in your life. Awesome. So That's use, super helpful. Yeah. So I use the altered state and then the somatic work. And then I go to parts work and IFS does not do that. And so sometimes people go through IFS and because they're not adequately connecting to their somatic sensations, they're in their head and they get halfway through the process and they say, am I just making this up? Am I just, and I hear that a lot, but when you're doing the somatic work and you're deeply down in that, in the, in your soma and, and you're asking yourself a question and, and you feel your throat tighten up, you don't doubt what's going on the way you do when there's not a somatic piece going on. Cool. And um, if I can throw in the Greek for everyone, soma is the Greek word for body. Absolutely. So it comes up in the New based. Testament a lot. Yeah. Body-based process. <laughs> yeah. Curious, James, like as far as the youngsters that you've worked with and obviously the current adults that you work with, and I feel like you've spoken about some of the common things, things that they, you know, that show up, but 
do you see like a really strong common thread like that everybody just something that's going to be powerful for us as adults or even for adults who have children of how they can you know better hold their children or guide their children to I feel like children don't necessarily know what they're feeling, even though they're having an experience. So just anything that you might be able to share as far as a, a common thread or just that would be helpful. Absolutely. So I have a, a, a hierarchy of unmet needs or hierarchy of needs that cause the most suffering when unmet on my website. And if you download my somatic breakthrough tools checklist, it's it's buried within that. And you can, we'll, we can speak more about that later, but within that checklist, You'll find at the very bottom of the pyramid of needs is physiological self-care. And so in the classroom, I got to see when students showed up and they were hungry or they um, they they hadn't been they hadn't had enough movement or they hadn't had enough, especially enough sleep or they're not they're just not eating well, that that affected their mood and their just the way they're able to handle stress. And a lot of people don't realize how crucial that is, that the very first thing to focus on, whether you're a child or someone who's 100, I have, I have a 92-year-old and 90-year-old and, and clients, the first thing to focus on is self-care. And the very first one is sleep. If I'm having sleep troubles, that is the first thing to focus on because um, going to work when you have had a really bad night of sleep, it's like going to work drunk. It, you are not able to handle stress. You're not able to regulate your mood. You're not able to do the things you need. And so you can do all the other things you want, but if you continue to not have good sleep, that's going to haunt you. So starting with really good sleep is, is, is important. And then diet and exercise. And if you're not moving enough and you're not having a good and healthy diet, that's going to haunt you. It's going to have a long shadow. And then from there, once you get those balanced, the next first thing, whether you're an adult or a child, is to go where you feel unsafe, to work on a safety issue. Because when I feel unsafe, then cortisol is being released in my brain, and that is turning into adrenaline, and I'm all keyed up, and there's a whole lot of physiological things happening that are keeping me from being at my best. So as long as I'm feeling unsafe, as long as I have cash flow issues that I keep having to attend to, or have emotional uh, um, safety issues within my partnership or in my peer relationships, or as long as I don't feel connected and, and like I belong in some way, I don't feel powerful, uh, but and I don't feel safe because of those things, safety is the place to work first. Once you resolve that, the next one up is to go to connection and power. And I'd love to talk about that, but that's a whole conversation in itself is the connection and power piece. And then beyond that is purpose. And what I found is that whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, that's the best order to go in if you're going to do inner work. And knowing the right order is super helpful because there's so many modalities and so many people out there trying to get you to do this or do that. And knowing the order of operations for inner work is really, really helpful. James, you mentioned unmet needs. What what might be an example of an unmet need that an adult would have that maybe stems from childhood? Well, the, the ones that I mentioned before about physiological self-care, safety, connection, power, and purpose. And the reason unmet needs are so important is because unmet needs are what cause us to then... Uh, create a coping strategy or a defense mechanism, some type of thing to deal with that unmet needs. We all have needs as humans. And if we have a need that's unmet, 
it does not go away just because we grow up. It continues to remain unmet until we meet it. Same thing is true of 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 food, of, of hunger, for example. If you wake up in the morning and your belly's hurting and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to go for a run and you go for a run and that doesn't do it. And I'm going to try taking a nap. I'm going to try taking a nap. But what's going on? Your stomach is going to continue to hurt worse and worse and worse until you eat. And if you have any of these unmet needs we're talking about, they are going to continue to have a, 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 an impact, a negative impact on your life until you meet that unmet need. And once you get that, it makes everything easier because now all of a sudden there's a big problem in your relationship. And instead of he's a jerk or she's a she's a this or that, it's just, oh, I wonder what unmet needs are going on. And then we can drop down and look. NBC, Nonviolent Communication, does a really good job of working with unmet needs. Marshall Rosenberg's work is a big influence on me. And so if you if you're able to to find your own unmet needs or see the unmet needs in others, you can predict behavior and you can deal with it in a really effective way, much better than not knowing what the true unmet need is. It's like going to the root of the problem rather than working on the symptom level. Do you find that, that most people, especially adults that are high functioning, don't, we don't even realize we have unmet needs? We're just going out and projecting into the universe. Like, how do we even start the process of knowing we were reacting to triggers in a certain way when most of us just bury, bury our behavior and we even bury the trigger and we act like everything's okay? Yeah, well, well you, you're exactly right. What we do is we project our unmet needs onto other people. And we assume that other people are to blame or bad or wrong or something. So the way to know that you have an unmet need is that you're not happy. <laughs> If you're not content, you have an unmet need. If if any kind of relationship or any kind of situation, something is bothering you, that is an there's an unmet need at the root of that. And we can and once you find that, once you find the unmet need, it tells you, it, it suggests to you or shows you the medicine or the actions you need in order to resolve it. But if you don't ever get to the unmet need underneath it, you end up working at the symptom level. And like, for example, anxiety. A lot of people I work with have, have anxiety issues and they think anxiety is the problem. But anxiety is not the problem. Anxiety is a symptom. The problem is I don't feel safe. And so because I don't feel safe, I end up having anxiety symptoms in my body. And if you work at the anxiety level, it's going to be really difficult to move forward. But if you go down to what am I not feeling safe about? And, and then from there, you, you work, it, it helps a lot. And I can give a, a, a brief story about that if, if you'd like. Um, when my daughter was 15, she's 21 now, she wanted to go on anxiety meds and I was very much against it. And I have a, a beautiful story about that, a little bit different than what we're talking about now. But ultimately she ended up agreeing to wait three months and work on diet, sleep, and exercise. And, and, and we went to a functional medicine doctor and worked on boosting her immune system and doing all kinds of things. And at the end of that three months, fortunately, what happened is her boyfriend broke up with her. And guess what? All her panic attacks went away because the unmet need was around anxiety in her relationship. And she didn't know that. She thought it was something else. And if we had moved forward with anxiety meds, she would have been in anxiety meds for years because that's how it goes. And it would have and it would have covered over and masked the real problem. That's why it's important we get to the unmet need and find out you know, what's really needed there. Otherwise, we mask things. And a lot of people are masking with their pain. I mean, th this 
I could use this. I could say the same thing about pain. Pain is supposed to be felt. If you have pain in your body, you are supposed to feel it. That's it's it's getting louder and louder to try to get you to feel it. And if we mask it over before we find out what's actually going on, then we lose the data and the information we need to solve it. And we end up just masking it and not be able to get to the unmet need. You remind me of a relationship that I was in where I took antacids every day for a year. Oh <laughs> until gosh. yeah, until the relationship ended. And I thought I was just having body changes, getting older. I was like 24, you know. And so, yes, I can totally <laughs> identify with that story of your daughter and that breaking up resolved that issue. Yes. And Glad so I found she, it out while there was time. Yes. So it would have been addressing the wrong thing and right. never actually getting to the unmet need. Wow. Wow. Oh, thank you for all that. And now, James, I know that you have a uh, a checklist through your website to help people kind of tap into some of this and go through this. Would you like to just share a little bit about that? Why you, what even brought that about and just how people can maybe uh, connect with themselves through this checklist? Absolutely. Well, I've been um, doing this work about 15 years uh, and, and clients kept asking me, can you write this stuff down? Can you put it in an easy document so that I can use it when I'm not working with you. And I said yes and I spent about a year working on what turned into a 50-page ebook, but 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 the most important part is what I call the somatic breakthrough tools checklist. And it has 13 tools that are that I've designed to be easy to use for a layperson who just walks off the street and picks it up and and if you use any of these tools then they will take you to a breakthrough. They're like a doorway that if you use them and you move forward, it's going to get you more information. It's going to get you connected to your body. It's going to connect it to your needs. It's going to give you an avenue for uh, breakthrough work. So the I'm very proud of the Somatic Breakthrough Tools Checklist. It's my honor to, to give that free to anyone who wants to go to my website and download that. Cool. We'll make sure that's in the show notes. Are you feeling called to lead us through a breakthrough process, a shortened version, or just to give our listeners a little taste? I would love to. I'm wondering if it might be helpful to start with just a couple of stories about people who have perfect who have used this, uh, and, oh, and then from after that, addressing that. Uh, so let's see. One of the um, well, I'd love the most obvious one. I'd love to share with you about Esther. And would Amy, would that work? You know that story of Esther. Does that sound like a good story to share? Absolutely. She was one of my early clients. It was, I think, 2016. And I had a, a course um, that, that I was doing on, on basically how to use somatic tools for emotional healing. And uh, she came on and, and shared about uh, how every time she uh, every time she tried to push record in order to record a video because she was a coach and she'd written a book and she knew she needed to market herself but she couldn't bring herself to record anything any, anything uh, it, you know to record herself she couldn't do it she tried and and she was just not able to do it and so we did some work around that and so we i took her in her body got her really relaxed and uh and and got her in an altered state and then from there what i do is i purposely trigger people because when I when we get triggered, as you know, when you're triggered in a fight or under stress, things happen in your body. You feel things because that inner part that is feeling stressed, it, it there there a body tells things that happen. And so I, as soon as I started talking about and presencing for her, her fear of the camera and her fear of being seen, 
then what came to her she she started having some symptoms her throat tightened up and she she felt things in her heart and then her on her shoulders and then and then what always happens is because basically what i'm doing with this work is i'm tapping into your unconscious i'm tapping into just below your conscious level in order to find out what's going on and so things come and what comes once you tap into that is we we dialogue and ask that part that we're feeling very you know it's really loud in our body we're feeling it and then we start dialoguing and asking it questions and we ask the question is why are you afraid to be in front of camera and 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 in front of the camera and there's only five ways that your unconscious can communicate with you and i'll tell you what it, it is almost everybody has sensations happening in their body and when they when they're really connected to those sensations and they ask that part a question the sensations change. They move, they get bigger, they get smaller, they move. And that's the confirmation for people that, oh, this seems to be working. This is this is weird. It's kind of a weird journey experience that people are going on. And that that helps them know that something's happening and that this is important. And so first is the sensations change in our body. Then most people get a, a thought they'll think something as an answer to that question and most of the time it's very relevant to the conversation a few people have three other ways some people get overcome emotionally all of a sudden they become sad because mo emotions are messengers from our unconscious that tell us very important things some people see pictures in their head they literally see a memory from their life or they see a picture and and usually it's very relevant to the conversation and then there are a few people about 10 percent of people that literally hear a voice in their head answering the question sometimes it's their own voice sometimes it's a different voice but they literally hear a voice it's it's amazing work with those people because they answer before we even get the question fully out it just is right there and so when we asked esther this she said she literally said, oh, wow, James, I just had this memory. I haven't thought of this in, in maybe 10 or 15 years. And then she went on to explain how when she was in third grade in the gospel choir and she went up on stage, her pantyhose fell down and she was trying to walk on stage and she didn't know what to do. And she was terrified and she looked down and saw the very disapproving look of her mother who was obviously embarrassed and saying, you're embarrassing me. And she has, uh, and so we did work around that. And, and she was blaming that little girl for not knowing what to do. And we did some, and, and in fact, she couldn't even have compassion for that, that part of her. We had to bring her own daughter in, put her in that place. And then she was able to be like, oh, sweetheart. And this whole level of compassion came in for her. And she was, I was like, what would you do if it were your daughter? And she, she got to have this beautiful, motherly, maternal way of, of caring for that daughter. So then we said, well, let's try that with you. And we pulled the, her out and we had her talk to little Lester and she, she, it just, everything shift. And she was very maternal and and had this just beautiful thing to, to say to her. And then we switched her back. And it's like, now I want you to feel that little girl. And she felt it. And then I repeated those things she said. And she just broke down crying. And after our session, she hit record and she recorded her first video. So good. I love that. So I like that story because it's immediate and direct and obvious. And, and we see, oh, yeah. I remember when I was bullied when I was a kid, and I remember how I was afraid later to speak up in certain conditions. These things happen in our life. This is what I call childhood conditioning. 
and we can decondition ourselves as an adult. And if you haven't done that, you are being ruled by your shadow of your childhood conditioning because ev you cannot escape childhood without being conditioned. So mm -hmm. I recommend people to do somatic work and do deconditioning work so that they can fully feel their full freedom in their life. James, that is so helpful. Would you be now willing to walk our listeners through just sort of a, a, an example, a sample experience? Absolutely. I'd love to. What I'd love to do is give you a taste of how this Perfect. works. So this will be a definitely an abridged version. Uh, if Because if I were working one on one, I would be very attuned to very specific pieces. So this will be a general one, but it'll allow you to see how it works. And so what I'd like you to do is uh, find your first of all, just allow yourself to relax, I invite you to sit down or lay down and get in a comfortable position and just find your breath. Just allow a nice, easy breath in and out. And on your next breath in, fill your belly up. And then release it. And we're gonna do just a little bit of pre-work relaxation of the internal core. Will be a bridge, but I'd like you to just focus on your throat right now and breathe in. Hold it for a second. And then we're going to sigh it out. And that the sigh is going to help release tension in your inner core. So uh, I'm going to do that with uh, breathe into your heart and do the same thing. Uh, and then we're going to jump down to your belly and just breathe into your belly. And then this time, moan it out like, uh. and we would do some more exercises to get you really relaxed internally to release tension. And then I would take you into a holotropic breath work or I, I'm, I'm trained as a, a shamanic breath work facilitator or a shamanic breath work. And so this is going to be in through your nose and out through your mouth, in through your nose, out through the, your mouth. And it's going to be faster than you want to breathe, but, but it's only for a couple minutes. And we're, we're just going to do one minute today, so it's not going to be quite as deep as normal. It's for to, to show you what we're doing. So we're going to do one minute of deep breathing. And then at the end of that, we're going to do a long, slow Kundalini exhale. We'll do three of them. And that the combination of we're going to do of, of uh, super oxygenating your body, which changes the alkalinity of your blood and makes you a little bit woozy and in an altered state and also some breath withholds that we'll be doing where we'll be holding our breath. Those two make you simultaneously relaxed and also very sensitive to what's going on within you. So we're sensitizing you to your internal sensations. You'll be far more sensitive than usual. And the long, slow exhale puts you into a theta state, a much slower state. It'll be like you've been meditating for 30 minutes. And from that altered state, I'll cue some things for you in your body. We'll do a body scan and, and I'll take you through a couple of uh, just, just a couple of exercises. So you ready? We're going to begin. What I'd like you to do is start with a, it's going to look just like this in through your nose and out through your mouth, in through your nose, out through your mouth, very fast. So
Keep breathing just like that. I'm going to talk to you as you're breathing. Keep breathing. You might start to notice your hands and your feet start to tingle. You might notice your eyes and your cheeks get start to tingle or get kind of feel funny. You might be a little bit dizzy. We're going to keep breathing just for 30 more seconds and we're going to deepen it. So go into And then one more time really fast. And then one deep breath in, hold it, swallow the breath, and just hold it for a minute. And we're going to build up your CO2 inside your body. And then a 10 count super slow Kundalini exhales through your mouth starting now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10 release all the air out of your body and just don't breathe in just release it all out and stay empty for a moment there's lots of air in your body so you're okay and then deep breath into your belly fill yourself up with air and then hold it swallow the breath and just stay here for a minute Ten count exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Slowly release all the remaining air out of your body. Just enjoy the empty space where you're totally empty. Last final breath deep breath into your belly fill yourself up like a balloon so you're full of air and hold it and then at your own pace slowly release all the air out of your body and enjoy the empty place one last time yourself to just breathe in slowly through your nose slowly through your nose out through your nose too and just be in a normal deep slow breath and following the sound of my voice which is getting slower and slower and slower I'm going to ask you to do a body scan starting at the top of your head notice how your head feels I'm going to give you some things to look for, and you're going to do this through different parts of your body. Notice, is there any heat or warmth or coolness or cold at the top of your head? Notice if there's any energy flow, if it feels contracted or expanded, if it's vibrating or if there's any energy there. Notice if it feels light or heavy or if there's any color when you focus there. These are all the kinds of ways you can notice and map. We're going to map out your body. So now you're going to finish with the top of your head and go to your forehead and your temples and notice if they feel any different. 
You're learning to distinguish different body parts and the sensations there. You get much better as you practice this. Especially if you're very mind activated, it's hard. Sometimes we, we zip out of our body. And then go proceed to go down your face and notice your eyes and your cheeks and your chin and your jaw. Notice if anything is active that you can feel. Come to completion with your face. Notice the front of your neck and the back of your neck. Notice how they feel. Notice if there's heat, coolness, color, any sensation at all, any activation. And then down your spine, notice your shoulders. A lot of people carry tension in their shoulders. Just check in with your shoulders. And then down your spine, notice your upper back, your mid back, and your lower back. Check in with your hips and see if they're open and flexible or if they're tight. And then come back up to your shoulders. We're going to go down your arms, go all the way down your arms to your hands and see if there's any sensation or tingling or activation in your hands or arms. And the completion with that and back up to your your chest notice how your chest feels a lot of people have sensations in their chest and in their heart notice what sensations are showing up for you this is your baseline body scan go down to your solar plexus which is where your ribs come together between your stomach and your heart a lot of people carry tension there and shame that's where a lot of people carry their shame Notice if it's tender. And then down to your belly and feel if there's any activation in your belly. You'll notice a lot of people get very numb from the belly down. Notice if your sexual organs are numb or if there's any activation there. And then go to your root chakra where your seat is and notice if there's any activation or sensation there. And then finally down your legs to your knees, knees as adults, knees are often talking to us in some way, and then to your feet. So this is your baseline scan. And what I'm going to do is purposely trigger you or presence yourself to purposely trigger yourself because that is going to be the somatic cues that will help you so stay in a slow place. I'd like to invite you to bring to mind something that's bothering you. Maybe it's a relationship issue, maybe it's financial stress, maybe it's any kind of circumstance you're in, something that's bothering you. And really think about it. Really think about that thing that's bothering you. Presence it. Breathe into it. Kind of talk back and forth inside your head about it. What should I do? What should I do here? I'm asking you to purposely work yourself into a little bit of a trigger through your thoughts which is what we do all the time. And notice, is my body responding? Has something changed? Has something flared up in my throat or my chest or my belly or my solar plexus? What's happening? And if you're not feeling anything, I invite you to go back and think again and presence again and like and think of why this is bothering me so much. Because if it truly is bothering you, there will be a tell in your body. 
So breathe in. Just relax and feel that. And that is what I work with. Wherever that spot is, and I invite you to like focus on that spot and really breathe in. And and I'll just for the, for your listeners, I don't know about your listeners, but for the um, people here, nod your head if the if the interviewers if you're noticing something and you're aware of something. Okay, so all three of you, yes. So focus on that spot, breathe in, and then I'm going to ask you to ask yourself something, and you're going to listen to see how your unconscious, this part of you that's bothered how it responds it's going to respond in one of five ways you're going to probably the sensation is going to change usually what happens is when we listen to a part of ourselves, it calms down almost always sometimes though it changes and moves and for some people you got to do this three or four times and kind of chase the sensations in your body until something pops and you get a real answer so you may need to do that but you also might just get you might think something and it might be really relevant and that doesn't mean it's true it means it's valid there's a part of you that is bringing you this you might also have a feeling an emotion you might see a picture in your head or a video or or a memory or you might just hear an answer this is a test to see how you get your information from your unconscious this is building your intuition is what we're really doing and so i want you to refocus on that sensation bring to mind again the thing that's bothering you take a breath and what i usually have people do is focus on something like red hot tension in my jaw what do you want me to know so i'm going to have focus on that get those descriptors that i mentioned and then say that to yourself presence that part so it knows it's talking you're talking to it and then say what do you want me to know and get quiet and see what happens do that now what do you want me to know and this is the place if i were working one-on-one with you that i would then ask you to talk very slowly to stay in your body and out of your head and and tell me what happened and then i would take you a next level deeper i would repeat it for you and take you deeper repeat it and take you deeper and that's how we track and move through different parts of your body until we get something surprising or interesting and it always happens it almost always happens if, if you stick with it and do that process your inner parts want you to hear them they want you to hear them and when we turn and listen to them they respond the only time they don't respond is if numb we often get numb if we disassociate from stress or if we get up in our head about things and we shut off our body i lived half my life that way and and that and then there's things we can do to work with the protector part that is keeping us from feeling our shame or feeling our upset and then there's a process we do around that and then we go back in and do it again but i've been successful everybody i've done this with over 2000 people and everybody this works for we when things bother us we feel them as sensations and when we dialogue with the sensations our unconscious parts come in and answer in some way if you know how to listen so go ahead and 
take a moment and just thank that part that you were talking to. It, it was probably a body part in this case. If you were working one-on-one -on -one with me, we would track that back and figure out which inner child part that is. If it's a, a hurt inner child part, or if it's a critical voice part, or if it's some unmet need part, um, different parts of us have different desires and, and want different things. And that's how we usually get to inner child work, because generally most of us have a hurt inner child that, ha that has some unmet needs, and that comes out every day for most of us. And so take a moment, just if you haven't yet, thank that inner part. And if there's any further dialogue, you can say, I'll talk with you again later. I invite you to, to um, shake out your fingers and toes and open your eyes and look around. Sometimes people feel kind of woozy after this. This is an abridged version. So if you didn't get anything from this, I would just triple the amount of breath work and then really go slowly through the body scan and then really milk it. It's about milking it when you're talking to yourself. You kind of milk the sensations because the louder the sensation is, the, the more your unconscious is going to respond to you. And that's the my core process I do. And then I have a bunch of somatic breakthrough, dialogue, other kind of um, somatic process I do once we get that information. But this is the core thing to get to the root cause of what's going on for people. That's powerful. I don't know about for you too, but for me, wow, wow. Thank totally you. powerful. And I got a very strong message. Went right back to, and actually I'll just share, I'll, I'll share mine very quickly with our listeners. And because I see this a lot in my own clients is that I must've been conditioned with some early life experiences that I don't trust joy. It's almost like, oh wait, don't, don't, don't get to like the other shoe is going to drop. And so my message really loud and clear was to trust joy. And I was feeling it right, all this tightness, right, right in my third eye, which is funny again, what I do for a living, <laughs> but all this heaviness, all this worry. Mm. They don't trust joy. If things are going too well, it's like, uh oh, mm. that was, that was powerful. Thank you so much. Beautiful Sherry, Andrea. So if I were working with you, then what I would do is presence for you, the earliest moments you remember, like having, being joyful and getting in trouble being yes, joyful and something I happening I would, yep. I would presence that for you and get you in touch and and we and you would speak to a specific thing and then you would feel a, a it's always a contraction of some type in your body and then once we get that and it's strong then i would start interviewing your inner child and 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 i would start with happier things and joyful things and then we would eventually get a rapport and then we would eventually work on that issue and find out and listen very carefully to what that part needs and then i'd bring in your probably your mother part uh, or coach part your mentor part to come in and say some things and, and basically do what parents are supposed to do which is when our child is upset to come in and be a holding space for them and help soothe them and you would i would invite invite you to do that yourself and this is the key of this work. I'll give you, this is like um, 20 years of inner work in, in, in a few sentences that if you find the unmet need in there and you find that part and you come in and you hold that part, because what that part really is, is it's unmetabolized stress. It's stress from your life experience or from circumstances. And our bodies, when we don't, when we're not able to metabolize it immediately, when we don't have someone there to say, to kiss our boo-boos and help us out of that situation, then it goes into our body and our body stores it for us. It's actually doing us a favor 
it's storing it for later when we can go back to the tribe because we're tribal creatures and have someone hold space for us or or in some way to unpack it and get it out if you're an animal you would go in the bushes and you would shake 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 after a trauma and so we haven't we don't do that in general in this culture and so we end up with all these different spots in our body that are holding unmetabolized stress which is why if you go to a yoga class especially like a yin yoga class and that where we get real quiet you'll find once in a while someone will get into a pose they'll sit there they'll hit one of those areas that has metabol unmetabolized stress and they'll just start bawling they'll just you know like uncontrollable bawling this happens all the time in yoga class ask any yoga teacher and that's because our body is holding unmetabolized stress what we're and what i found is that if you go to that 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 child part and you just cry then that that it does not release the stress it actually pushes it back down into our body and then every time we something happens in our life similar to that we it, it bothers us because it's stuck in our body if you want to remove it from your body the only way that i know to do that is to hold yourself it's literally creating a holding container and you've got to both be in touch with the the the, the stressed part but also a part of you that's holding and caring and bringing compassion to that stress part and when you can do both of those when you can either toggle back and forth or at, when you get good at it you can kind of feel both at the same time when you're holding yourself and feeling your traumas, it lead, you'll feel it. It'll be uncomfortable, but it's, your, it's the trauma leaving your body. If we just take a racket and we're angry and we just hit a pillow and, and go crazy, but we're not holding ourselves for the, the angry part of us, then it just re-traumatizes us and, and it, it doesn't go away. For the trauma to go away, to leave the body, we've got to be in a holding pattern and holding ourselves. That's a really key thing. That's why therapy works, because you have somebody who's holding you, and that allows the stress to leave your body. Um, what I'm really loving about this, and I had an experience, too, where um, about not being heard or not being listened to um, as well. And it's like all appearing right in my upper um, upper back and neck, which coincidentally I've been working on yoga stretches to, <laughs> so, so it's obviously coming up, but, um, one of the things I'm really loving about this is, you know, the work that we do here in magical mystical journeys is often about like mind spirit. Um, and we, the three of us do a good job, I think of rooting ourselves, but sometimes we can use the spiritual journey as a way to escape. And, but when we integrate it with the body, then that's where I think that's where I, at least I found the magic can really, really happen. So I'm, I'm loving this work as a deeply, a, actually a deeply spiritual experience. Mm. I love it. Agree, Katie. Well, Katie, thank you. Know, you. Thanks for that. Katie, um, not feeling heard is the number one complaint of women I've worked with. Number one complaint. And I think it's mainly because of the way we socialize our men. So, yeah. so and, <laughs> and so women not, too. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. yes, for sure. Uh, but that is not feeling heard is that number one thing and learning how to hold ourselves and hear ourselves takes half of the sting out of that. And it frees up some space to be able to then come back to the conversation and sometimes get your needs met. But, but if you have a full on unheard, a lot of, people will pull back from that and, and not be able to actually sit in that. But if we do enough of the hearing of ourselves first and then show up, then we're able to actually hold space for ourselves and the other person and get more of our needs met. Cool. Thank you.
Thank you. And I feel like, James, I just want to add to this because obviously I was introduced to this through you. And one of the greatest things that I found for myself is that by holding myself, by listening to myself, then somehow I'm attracting others who are doing the same for me. And the breakthroughs that take place through this, just like so much gratitude for you being present with us today, you leading us through the presencing exercise to communicate with ourselves, to hold ourselves. And it just, it just feels important to kind of wrap things up and share, you know, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you or connect with you directly, what is the best way for them to do so? Well, you can definitely visit my website at breakthroughcircle.com. And on my website, you can schedule um, my, my, my schedule is actually filling up, but for right now, I'm still doing what I call free, free sessions. So it's a part of my life's work. I've been gifted so much mentoring in my life. And part of my paying it back is I'm willing, whether someone has money or not, whether they're looking for coaching or not, um, I will give you one free session, take you through this process. Um, That feels really good in my body to offer that. And so you can schedule a session with me, a 60 minute session, and I can take you through this and be very attuned to you and help you get some information to inform your journey. That's the way I love to to meet with people because until you actually go on the journey, it's, it's like, it's like you can talk about sex, but if you haven't actually had sex, it's not the same. And it's similar to that. If you don't go on the journey, it's not the same as if you go on the journey and feel what's going on. Like, oh, wow, there's really stuff going on here. Wow. Usually people <laughs> say, I didn't know there was so much going on in there because usually we're kind of muted down and toned down and we're eating food and we're smoking or taking things that are helping us to numb out. And so when you get really, really sensitive and and go through this process, you find there's actually a lot more there than we realize. So I would love to take you on a journey. Um, You can also download my somatic breakthrough tools checklist. And with that, that puts you on my mailing list. And I have occasional um, uh, webinars and things that are free that you can join. Uh, I also sometimes do somatic group coaching. And uh, so if you check in there, you'll get to see what group coaching, group coaching is a lot more affordable than individual coaching. You can check and see what's going on there as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that, your generosity and for being present with us. Um, any final words, anything that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, I just want to emphasize that if you are unhappy in your life, we have the technology to shift that. It is not required to continue to be unhappy in your life, whether you're feeling not safe in your life, whether you're feeling not connected to other people or not powerful, or if you don't feel like you're aligned to a purpose, those are needs that can be met. And we do have the technology to be able to release old patterns and to create new ones. And so, so just don't wait. Your life is too precious to wait and and be unhappy. Well said. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I well, guess listeners. There, there is one last thing I'd like to add is that the world needs your genius and your genius gets locked up when we have things in the way of it. And so if you're not living the kind of life that you want and really tapped in, really serving in whatever way feels good to you, then, then that is available. That is available. And going to your deathbed, not giving the gifts inside of you 
is is a waste. It, 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 and, and I feel selfishly like I'm being cheated when I don't get that. And I want to be a part of a world where people are giving their gifts and living their genius and living their magic. And the first step of that sometimes is getting uh, getting some help with releasing the past. And that's what this does. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much. Yes, for this wonderful tool, for this wisdom. Listeners, if you like this episode, please share, rate us. We'd love to hear from you, your experiences. Email us at magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. Ladies, anything else that I'm missing? No, I, nope. I second what James said. Get get your shit in order because if you don't do it now, you have to do it in the next life. So you might as well do it now and give your gifts to the world. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, James. Thank you, ladies. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for listening. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.